We are Plum Creek, and we're a place where you matter. Our mission here is centered around change lives, changing lives. We believe this happens through three relationships, intimacy with God, intentionality with family, and influence with others. We hope what you hear today will impact and challenge you to love God and the people around you in a whole new way. We'd encourage you to connect with us online at PlumCreekOnline.com or on social media to see how Plum Creek is impacting our community and what opportunities we have for you and your family to get connected. If you'd like to support the ministry we're doing here in Castle Rock, the two easiest ways are through the Give tab on our website or via your mobile device by texting your dollar amount to the number on the screen. Thanks again for joining us today. We hope you'll enjoy this message. What's happening, everybody? From Doug Miller, I'm telling you, hey, he wanted me to tell y'all, hey, and I'm doing that. Go ahead and turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17, 1 Samuel chapter 17. If you've seen me before, then you may have noticed that I'm a little different today. I've got a little bit of facial hair, trying to grow a beard, I think. Uh, Here's what you need to know. I'm not doing it because of the cold weather. I'm doing it because of one reason. My wife likes it. That's it. It's not rocket science. If she likes something, I do it. When I was getting ready to come here, I told her, I said, you know, I think I should at least shave uh, to go preach at Doug's church. I need to shave. And she says, no, don't shave. And here's what she said. She said, I like the new look. I like it. So pray that it'll grow. (laughs) She likes it. She said, I like the new look, the new look, new, new, new. Ah, everybody seems to like new. It seems like that's, that's the word for me in the last two or three seasons of my life, new. I mean, I've got a daughter that left Atlanta to go to college at Arizona State. That's a new season for me. I still miss her. I, I planted a church Uh, Three years ago, and it seems like yesterday, a new season, a new church. And Lord willing, very soon I'll have my first book uh, uh, that that I've I've written. It's new. It's new. It's new. Even on Friday when I was getting ready to fly here, I flew southwest. And uh, you know how southwest lines you up like, like cattle? And you're looking to make sure people don't have your spot when you're standing in that place. Uh, the dude over the microphone said this. He said, uh, you guys are flying on a new plane. True story. It's a new plane. It, uh, it's, it's a bigger plane. And I, I walked on the plane and the seats were new. I looked out of the window and the wings were shiny. Uh, the engine was shiny. New. People get excited about new. There's somebody in here now, you got a new boyfriend or a new girlfriend, and when you see them, when they text you, you get chills. That ain't gonna last, but you get it. (laughs) New adventures, new frontiers, we like new. But I'm gonna admit to you today that when it came to planning a new church, uh, uh, I wasn't excited. I was scared. 
When it comes to releasing this book, I thought about it in my hotel room yesterday. I'm petrified because what if the book is not good? Trust me, somebody going to tell you on social media. They will tell you. And to be honest, even when I was in that plane, on that plane yesterday, I looked out and saw the shiny wing and the shiny engine, and I was thinking, hmm, I kind of wished I had a plane with some experience. That's been there, done that, been through a storm or two. I wished I had a broken in plan. Here's all I want you to know today. It takes courage to do the new. It takes courage to do the new. Father, this is your time. I'm just your servant. So I'm going to get out of your way. I beg you to increase as I decrease. Holy Spirit, please do what I cannot do. Guide my mind and please guide my mouth. Bring some lost soul to you today, I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. 1 Samuel chapter 17, even if you didn't grow up in church, you know it. You know about David and Goliath. Even if you're the biggest sinner in Colorado, you've heard about too much laughter there. You've heard about David and Goliath. Uh, uh, If you hear the story of David and Goliath, here's what you already know. There's an underdog against the big dog. If you're watching March Madness, that's a part of the fun. You want to see David beat Goliath. I don't have time to read the whole chapter, but here's what you need to know. Uh, The Israelites, under their weak leader, their weak king, King Saul, they're on their mountain. They're getting ready to fight against their enemy who's across the valley on their mountain. Uh, uh, Their leader for this chapter is a giant by the name of Goliath. He's tall, he's strong, and he's their champion. He's accustomed to fighting. Uh, And what he would do is he would come down from his mountain, he would walk down in the valley, and he would talk smack to them, even about their God. And he would tell them, Hey, send me your best man uh, to fight against me. Whoever wins, if I beat your best man, then you guys will serve us. If he beats me, then y'all will serve us uh, uh, or uh, we will serve you. And then he'd walk back up to the mountain. And guess what the Israelites would do? They would flee. I wish I had more time because that's a pathetic sight, God's people running from a mere man. I don't care how big he is. This went on for 40 days. Somebody talking smack, not just about you, but about your God. And they were running. Uh, They were greatly afraid. They were dismayed. They were terrified of the enemy. For 40 days, he talking that yang. But there was a dude by the name of Jesse. He had three older sons supposedly they were on the mountain with King Saul fighting. I say supposedly because I ain't see no fighting going on. But you know, you know how it is, man. We say, you know, we tell our wives we out there doing something. But that's a whole nother sermon too. It looks good. And then he had a younger son by the name of David. David was kind of back and forth. He might go out sometimes. But a lot of what David did, he tended sheep. 
his father's sheep. Uh, uh, he was just a ruddy boy. He was young, and he don't need to be out there fighting. But one day his daddy said, hey, hey, David, I got some cheese whiz and some toast. I want you to take it out to your older brother." So David takes the food to his older brothers, and, and when he gets there, I mean, all of this commotion is going on. You've got this giant talking smack, and people are running, and, 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 and so the people kind of let David know what's going on. And then, then they tell him three things. They said, hey, if, if somebody can fight Goliath and beat him, three things will happen for him. Number one, the king will give him riches. The king will give them riches. Number two, uh, the king will give them his daughter. And I, I, I don't want to interject anything into the Texas, uh, but I know David. I think that's the one that got him. <laughs> like, Really? Shaniqua? <laughs> With the good hair? And then number three, you get a tax break. Your daddy gets a tax break. So, and, and if you really read the text, it's almost like David literally said this. Say that again. Seriously. He wanted to hear the thing again. Here's what he determined. Ah. Uh, the reward was worth the risk. Uh, the reason for fighting is worth the risk. So, so in verse 32, David basically goes to King Saul and he tells him, I'll fight the giant. I'll fight him. I'll, I got this. I'll do it. And here's what you need to know. The moment he does that, he's doing a new thing. A courageous new thing. What do I mean? Up until that point, he's been in the pasture being a shepherd boy. The moment he says, I'll fight Goliath, he goes from being a shepherd boy to being a warrior. A courageous new thing. That's it. We can go home. But it takes courage to do the new. And I think we can learn from David that we got to answer some questions if we're going to do something new for God. Question number one that I see in the text uh, is, you got to answer this simple question, who am I? Who am I? Man, doesn't that sound like an easy question to answer? Who, who am I? I'm not talking about the Sunday you. I'm not talking about the church, you. I'm not talking about the, the nine to five, you. I'm not talking about your pretty her or none of that. Who, who are you inside? And let's just be real. We would be shocked to know the percentage of people in this room that don't even like themselves. I've done ministry for a, for a minute now. There are people that are depressed in this room, you look in the mirror every day and you're thinking, there's no way God can use me. <laughs> not me. He can use Doug. He can use Craig to lead worship, but not me. If you just knew what I knew about me. Man, I was driving down, is it Wilcox this morning? Uh, I, and I just was praying. And I, I, can I be honest? I was confessing a sin or two. Uh, and it's awesome to know 
<laughs> that God can know me and still use me. Hallelujah. <laughs> so I ain't got to try to pretend in front of y'all. I don't care if folk don't like me. Because God likes me and he uses me. He knows who I am and I'm embracing who, who I am. On my wall in my house is a sign that says, don't follow the crowd. And every now and then I can hear the spirit say, you better not try to be like anybody else. I've made you the way I've made you. Yeah, I made you handsome. It's a burden. <laughs> Let's get back to the text. <laughs> but who are you? Who are you? Who are you? When you look in the text, here's what you need to know. The accoutrements from man can never replace the anointing from God. We're going to see it in the text. Uh, in the text, verse 38, uh, Saul clothed David with his armor. I've got that underlined in my Bible, his armor, his armor. I wished I had more time. Boy, I'd stop and park there because isn't that a pathetic king? You're giving somebody your armor? A ruddy boy. You're supposed to be the leader. Hey, you're supposed to at least go down with the ship. What kind of king is that? You give David his, his armor, uh, and he put a bronze helmet on his head. He also clothed him with a coat of mail. David fastened his sword to his armor, and he tried to walk. He tried, he tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I like this, he said, he said, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. And the Bible says, I like this verse, he took it all. <laughs> uh, 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 David understood that the accoutrements from man, and it can't replace the anointing from God. <laughs> Saul put his stuff on, I don't have armor, this has to do. And I'm hoping that I look ridiculous in this. That's how it's supposed to work. Because this ain't my coat. This is, this is Jonathan's coat. And, 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 and when I look at the coat on the screen, uh, no disrespect to Jonathan, but this ain't me. I can't walk in this. I can't go in, to the outlet malls after the Falcons beat the Packers today in this. This ain't me. And that's really what David was saying. He was saying, this ain't me. I know who I am. I, 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 don't, I don't depend on armor. I depend on God's anointing. This ain't me. Uh, this ain't me. I, I, I ain't trying to be T.D. Jakes. Man, he can preach, but T.D. Jakes ain't me. Hey, hey, stop trying to be somebody else. Take it off. David was saying, this is too heavy for me. To try to be something else, uh, somebody else is too weighty for me. Uh, why in the world are you trying to wear somebody else's armor and it ain't even working for them? They're on the mountain punked out. <laughs> why would you try to do your marriage the way your next door neighbor's doing their marriage? It looks good when they're in a nice whip. What you don't know is the lady that you play tennis with, she hates her husband. Seriously. It ain't working for them. Why would I try to do my church, the factory, like any other church? God always tells me, you got your lane, stay in it. Why are you trying to run your business like somebody else? Why does God anointed you to do that nobody else can do? 
Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? You might not be happy with yourself. Boy, but I got some good news. God loves you. Isn't that crazy? Y'all can amen. It's cool. I didn't say a man loved you. God, the one that spoke the stars, the moon, Pacific Ocean. He loves all of us. That's awesome. Question number one, who am I? I said this to y'all, I think I said every time I come, like when you amen, I'll finish quick. (laughs) When you don't amen, I'm assuming you can't hear my mic. (laughs) Question number two that you got to answer, what's my plan? What is my plan? I love church people. Uh, We pray. I believe in prayer. We read the word. I believe in reading the word. Read it every day. Ah, but some of us, we do all of that stuff, and we have no plan. Sometimes prayer and all of that is just a way to avoid having a plan. We kind of, sometimes we get lazy. We don't really want a plan. Sounds good to pray. No, you got to have a plan if you want to do something new and courageous. What is, what's your plan? (laughs) Hmm. When you look at the text, verses 40 through 44, here's what you need to know. David indeed had a plan. Wasn't an older guy, but he was young, but he still had a plan. Look, and you might not see it, but I see it. He says, he took his staff in his hand, and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook. David, what you doing? Why are you getting some cute little stones from the brook? You're going to fight. Yeah, I know. It's a part of the plan. He put them in a shepherd's bag in a pouch, which he had. David, why you got a shepherd's bag? You ain't going back to your daddy's pasture. I know. I know the bag is a part of the plan. And he got his sling that was in his hand. David, we ain't going to kill robins. What you doing? It's a part of the plan. And he drew near to the Philistine. And so the Philistine came and began drawing near to David. And the man who bore the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was only a youth, ruddy and good-looking. So the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come at me with these sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods, little g. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me. I underline that in my Bible. Come to me. Come to me. Fight my way. I'm an infantryman. That's how I want you to fight. Here's what I want you to get just from that one sentence. You never let the enemy dictate the rules of the fight. Never. Never, never. For 40 days, the children of Israel has let him dictate the rules of the fight. Anytime the enemy tells you how the fight's going to be, he's always got it skewed to his advantage. She always has it skewed to her advantage. Never, ever let the enemy tell you how to run your house. Don't let the enemy tell you how to pray, how to do church, how to love or leave your spouse. The enemy could care less about you. He's trying to step on your neck and kill you. But for 40 days, Israel listened to the enemy. I wonder how many people in this room is listening to the enemy when he's telling you what you can't do, 
who you're not, that your God is little g. Here's the problem with the children of Israel. The thing that's familiar is the greatest enemy to what's possible. <laughs> the thing that's familiar is the greatest enemy to what's possible. All we know is this way. We're going to fight this way because mama fought that way. Daddy fought that way, you know. No, 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 no. God wants us to be creative. We, we, of all people, we should have a plan that's out of the box. <laughs> of all people. Uh, uh, don't let what's familiar get in the way to what's possible. Next question that you're going to have to answer. Do you have a vision for victory? Not just a vision, but a vision for victory. Today, four teams are playing for the right to go to the Super Bowl. I don't know a lot about football. I know I like the guys whose hair come out of their helmets. I don't know a lot about football, but I do know this. At some point, before the season even started at training camp, all of those guys had a coach that stood before them, and he says, hey, in February, we're going to hoist the Lombardi Trophy. Uh, we're going to stand on that podium, and we're going to have a Super Bowl title. I don't know why coaches talk like that. But here's what the coaches did. They gave him a vision for victory. I want you all to envision standing on the podium with the trophy in your hand. I don't care. I don't care. Oh, even the Detroit Lions did that. Because <laughs> you got to have a vision for victory. Uh, 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 don't tell Doug this. I'm not supposed to like Aaron Rodgers. But man, he bad. Boy, bad man. Have you ever listened to Aaron Rodgers talk? Uh, he, he has a vision for victory. Do you remember last year? He said, relax. Remember that? Because even though things are going bad, I got a vision for victory. I, I, I'm equipped. I've been practicing too long to get discouraged now. And if anybody should have a vision for victory, shouldn't it be believers? If anybody should be speaking life when all hell breaks loose, shouldn't it be us? I mean, Aaron Rodgers at the press conference Sunday, he rolled left and he threw that perfect pass. And then they asked him at the press conference, is that your best pass ever? <laughs> and he's like, no. It almost, it's almost a cockiness there. It's almost like trash talk. <laughs> uh, 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 uh. If you really look at David, the next few verses that we're going to read, he's talking to the giant. It seems like he trash talking. Here's what I know about your vision. If you can't speak it, you ain't got it. Please hear that. If you can't speak it, you don't have the vision. Uh, see, when Goliath comes, you ain't got time to go in your filing cabinet and pull the vision out. Uh, when, 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 when your wife says, I'm leaving, you don't have time to go find your vision. You better have the vision in here. If you don't know how to speak your vision, you don't have it. 
David could speak the vision. I see it. It doesn't look like a vision. Uh, uh, but the more I study, I see him speaking his vision. It's verse 45 through 47. And he's speaking it. That's key. You can't just have it inside of you. You got to be able to say it. In verse 45, he says to, to, the, to the Philistine, he says it. You come to me with the sword, with the spear, with the javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Listen to what he says. This day, <laughs> that's vision talk. This day, oh, in about a couple of minutes, I'm going to be whooping your uh, uh, rear end. In a couple of minutes, I got a vision for beating you, and it's going to happen this day. I, I know the specifics of the vision. This day, the Lord, what? Will deliver will deliver. It's future tense because that's what vision is. God is going to do this. Will deliver. It seems like he's talking junk. He's talking vision. He's going to deliver you into my hand. I will strike you. That's not trash talk. That's vision talk. I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day, I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there's a God in Israel. Then all the assembly shall know. That's not junk talk, that's vision talk. In other words, everybody gonna see me break you off, everybody. <laughs> that the Lord does not save with the sword or spear, for the battle is the Lord's. Check this out, he will give you into our hands. Vision. All that is, none of this has happened yet, but he can see it. He can see it. And, and I thought about this the last service as I was preaching. We all pretty much know this story. But if we didn't know this story, come on now, this is crazy. A shepherd boy just happened to show up with some rocks. <laughs> Golly. Uh, and I'm going to kill a giant with the rock who does this for a living. Here's what I love about vision. If it don't sound crazy, keep, 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 keep going until God give you his vision. If it don't sound crazy, it might not be a God vision. God told me, uh, y'all don't, I know that, uh, you know, y'all might not notice. I'm a brother. God told me, plant a church in Cherokee County, Georgia, and have it be racially diverse. In Cherokee, in Cherokee County, home of the Confederate flag. And boy, that sounded crazy to me. I had a man sit with me yesterday after church, one at prayer. He says, God, he's new at this church. God has given me a vision, but I don't think I can do it. I was like, ah. Yeah, you can't do it. David didn't make this about him. Our God can do anything. My wife, she's not here, so I can talk about it. Uh, we're nothing alike, my wife and I. She's, she's, she's dignified. And she loves the Oscars. I don't get it. And she literally organizes her Sunday that day around the Oscars. 
And, and she loves the pomp and circumstance. She loves looking at women with dresses on that we can't afford. She loves that stuff. Uh, I don't get the Oscars because it's not the movies that I like. I just want something that I already know is going to happen. And I've watched the Oscars for years because my wife likes it. And, 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 and you know, and everybody's all humble. You know, we're not going to win. I'm just, I'm just honored to be nominated. I almost said something. That's crap. <laughs> yeah, I just, I mean, to be in the same category with Meryl Streep, oh. And then, and then, then they win and they look all shocked, you know? And nowadays, it used to be they would get up and they have their speech. Now, now they pull out their iPhones. What's my point? That tells me that you had a vision for victory. You wrote a speech because, you know what? I think I might win. Y'all hear me? I think I might win. Hallelujah. Somebody ought to say that today. I think I might win. <laughs> Can't pay my bills, but I think I might win. My teenagers acting buck wild, but I think I might win. Husband says he wants to leave me, but I think I might win. And hallelujah. And so what I want to do, let me thank God. Let me thank the people that stuck with me. Let me write my speech in advance because I shall not die. I'm going to live. I hope I'm talking to somebody. Stop looking in the mirror talking down to yourself. Talk the vision God has given you. Hey, 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 uh, nobody was as afraid as I was to plant a church. I was terrified. But in 2007, I typed the vision. I typed it in 2007, terrified, showed it to my wife when she came home. She began to cry because we believed and we spoke the vision. And some of the things that we said, we want to be a disciple-making church where the Word of God is the foundation. I've seen people get disciple. One of the things that I wrote, I don't want a church where everybody's skin is the same color. And we got like 50-50 black, white, not that I see color. That's a joke. One of the things I said is I want anybody to be able to come, gay people, uh, drug addicts. We had a guy walk in off the street, a crack addict, been at the church two and a half years free. We had a gay gentleman get saved in my living room. Why? That's the church that I wrote about that God put in my spirit, and we're doing it. And guess what? I don't need the sheet anymore because I can talk the vision. So when it gets rough, I'm going to talk. I'm going to talk my way out of it. When the enemy comes in like a flood, I'm going to talk my vision to him. I'm going to make disciples. I don't care if everybody leaves. I'm going to keep making disciples. That's the vision. I'm whooping Goliath. Bump these sandwiches. That was a joke too. <laughs> let's finish. Let's finish. My jokes aren't going well. Four services. <laughs> <laughs> Next question you got to answer, have you practiced? 
Have you practiced? Have you practiced? Um, I don't have time to read it, but David goes to King Saul around verse 34. He's like, you know what? I got this giant. And, and Saul basically says, no, man, you're too young. Uh, uh, you know what? He's been fighting for as long as you've been alive. And David basically said, yeah, but I've been practicing. You don't see it in the text, but he really kind of says that. He says, look, when I was watching my daddy's sheep, and a lion came, I practiced for this moment. I killed the lion. <laughs> when I was watching my daddy's sheep and a bear came, oh, I knocked him out. Mama said knock him out. I knocked him out. <laughs> I've been practicing. I've been practicing. I've been practicing. I've been practicing. Hallelujah. Hey, 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 nobody was as afraid as me. Uh, Beth's husband, Doug, for years has told me to plant a church. When he believed, I didn't believe because I was scared. I was scared. I was scared. And so when I started talking to my wife in 2007 about planting a church, God clearly told me, uh, pastor your family. Start there. So on Tuesdays and Fridays, we literally had church still doing it church at the crib. One day we were having church and I just admitted my fear. I said to my wife, man, I don't know if I can pastor my own church because I don't know if I can preach every week. What am I going to talk about every week? Because if you don't get it right, people don't come. And I'll never forget what my wife said. She said, what's that in your lap? I said, my Bible. She said, it seems thick to me. Seems like you can get something out of there, just something every week. And then she went on to say this. I love this. <laughs> hmm. She said, and besides, I like your preaching better at home than at church. She said, at home, when we just walk through the verses, that's what I like. And, and, and so that's what I started doing. I just started walking through verses with my family. I started taking young men to Chick-fil-A, 6.30 Saturday mornings, just walking through the Bible. And what God knew that I didn't know, I just needed to practice. I just needed to practice. So guess what now? When people come in trying to give me their vision for the factory, I'm not swayed. When people get mad because they're going to leave, because they want me to entertain people, bye, I'm sticking with the vision. When people are mad because I say, you can't sleep together if you don't marry, if you're not married, bye, in the vision, I'm going to preach the truth. When people get mad at me because I talk about racial relations, bye, I'm going to stick to the vision. Ephesians 2, because I've practiced. And when you have practiced, you ready. <laughs> I'm ready for the storms. I'm not bragging. I guess I am, but not on me. Because greater is he who's in me. And I've practiced with him. The thing about practice is we don't like practice because ain't no crowd there. <laughs> thing about practice, we don't like it. Ain't nobody cheering you at practice. Everybody like Allen Iverson when it comes to practice. Practice? You talking about practice? Everybody wants the real game. Everybody wants to show up on Sunday morning and sing. Uh -uh. But half of us don't want to get up in the morning and practice, getting on your face before the King of Kings every morning. We don't want to practice getting into the Word, but we want Doug to do it. We want him to feed us. That's the game. Have you practiced? And if you ain't practiced, how you think you're going to do something great? You think God dumb? 
You think God sees somebody that's not a good steward and be like, oh, yeah, that's the one I want to use, that one that's lazy. Got to hurry. Sorry. Last point. Are you prepared for success? That's my last question. Are you prepared for success? Here's what I've learned about success. It brings you attention. You're successful in anything, people want you. If you get a new anything, if you get a new car, people notice it. A new house, people notice it. If you got a new calling on your life, David, people notice it. Look in the text, verse uh, 55. It says, and when, when Saul, oh, by the way, I didn't say this. David, I don't know if y'all knew this, he killed Goliath. It was kind of like a drive-by. Put on the NWA. So he's killed him, and in verse 55, when Saul saw David going out against the Philistine, he said to Abner, the commander of the army, Abner, whose son, whose son is this youth? In other words, man, who is that, who's that boy's daddy? And Abner said, as your soul lives, O king, I don't know. So the king said again, twice, inquire whose son this young man is. Who's that boy's daddy, Abner? Then David returned from the slaughter of the Philistine. Abner took him and brought him where? Before Saul. Do you, do, do you see that? He brought him before Saul. Uh, you don't see it, but that's the height of success. You've been in a doggone sheep pasture, stepping over poop, and now you're in front of the most powerful man in the nation. That's success. Are you ready to be in front of Saul? Are you going to sell out now? Are you going to sell out your God now? You've been in anonymity, and now you just whipped the giant in front of the whole assembly. People know you now. You were doing the pasture life, and now you're ready to go from that life to standing in front of the most powerful man in your country. Can you handle that? Can you handle it? Men, can you handle success? Would you stay faithful to your wife if God gave you everything you wanted? Hey, 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 would you still come to church? Don't answer that stuff too fast. He's before Saul, hallelujah, with the head of the Philistine in his hand. I like that verse. He got, he got, he got Goliath's head with it. David a little sick. He's got his head, and Saul said to him, he asked this question again, whose son are you? David, I'm done, but he knew how to do courageous new things the right way. How do I knew? How do I know that? Because what he did had people asking, not about him, but about his daddy. Who's your daddy? Hey, 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 that's what I want. That's how you know if you're doing successful things right. People should be asking about who is your daddy. When I come here to Plum Creek, I don't want you asking, who's that dude with the locks? I want you asking, who's his daddy? Hey, hey, when I walk, I want to walk a certain way that you're asking, who's his daddy? When I talk, I want to talk a certain way that you're asking, who is his daddy? When I sing, I want to sing a certain way that you're asking, who's his daddy? Because guess 
what that gives me the opportunity to do. It gives me the opportunity to tell you who my daddy is. My daddy is king of kings. My daddy is Elohim. My daddy is Yahweh. My daddy is Jehovah Rapha. My daddy is a healer. My daddy is Jehovah Jireh. My daddy sent his son to stretch out his arms and die on the cross. I don't want us talking about me. I, 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 I'm going I'm, I'm to release this book in spite of my fear because somebody going to learn about my daddy. I planted the church, not so people can think we all that. I want the crackheads, the whores, the prostitutes, the businessmen to know about my daddy. Anybody got the same daddy as me? <laughs> Isn't our daddy worth fighting for? Huh? Huh? Isn't he worth it? Isn't he worth it? Isn't he? Hallelujah. Father. Break chains off of minds today. People that don't think that you've called them. People that are scared to death. Give them vision. Give them a plan. Help them to reconcile who you say they are with who they say they are. Somewhere I've read that we're the head and not the tail. We're above and not beneath. So I'm going to believe what you say about me. I don't just pray it for the adults in the room. There are a lot of young people in this room. <laughs> David was young. Help them not to let people look down and despise them because of their youth. I'm praying for that mom who thinks, man, all I do is cook, do laundry, and take kids here and there. There's no way God has something for me to do. I pray that you would even see what she's doing in that is a calling. So, Father, speak to us now. May your word not return void. We love you. We praise you. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.